Come on, we're declaring in a song a truth that was made a reality 2,000 years ago. Jesus paid it all. Come on, everybody say that. Jesus paid it all. What does that mean? That means that all of us are broken humanity, separated from a good God because of bad sin. But God the Father loved you and I enough that he sent his son on a rescue mission. Jesus paid it all. Jesus paid with his life our sin debt, gave us his grace, gave us his righteousness so we could be made children of God. Come on, Jesus paid it all. But the best part of the story isn't the crucifixion where Jesus paid it all. Really, the crux of Christianity, the centrality of the truth of what we believe isn't just the crucifixion, it's the resurrection. Because three days later when Jesus got out of the grave, the truth is that very moment co-signed all of his claims. It validated the victory that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Savior. He is the Redeemer. Come on, Jesus paid it all. I wish somebody would make some noise and honor him today. So I don't often give my messages titles. It's just not my thing, but because today we celebrate such a powerful message, I thought it would be fitting to give this a title that might encourage you where we're going to go today. So the title of the message today is Cancel the Funeral. Let me come over here and say it. It's, come on, it's, it's Cancel the Funeral. Come on. Something happened 2,000 years ago, and a funeral got canceled. See, I've seen lots of events canceled just like you have. I've seen, I've seen birthday parties canceled. I've seen concerts canceled. I've even seen weddings canceled, but I've never seen a funeral canceled. Well, there was this one time, and we're going to talk about it today. Come on, tell a couple people around you, cancel the funeral. Come on, tell a couple people. Come on, tell them, cancel the funeral. You can have a seat this morning. I want to welcome everybody. My name is Steve Husky. I'm the lead pastor here at Faith Church, and it is a privilege to have you here in our Florence campus, not just here, but in the overflow, man. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here, not just here in Florence, but can we show some love for our Lawrenceburg Faith Church family? It's good to have you guys in the room as well. And obviously not just in person, but so many of you watching online and not just locally, but literally all over the United States, we have people tuning in, man. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being a part of Faith Church. It's our privilege to have you either in the room, whether it's digitally or analog. Thanks so much for showing up. We said every week, come on, that we believe that Jesus, he is the hope of the world. If you've never heard that, I want you to know whoever you are, whatever you're going through, whatever your issue, your habit, your hurt, or your heartache, if you'll allow Jesus to meet you where you are, it'll be the greatest decision, come on, that you've ever made. How many people know that's true? Come on, you already know that because you've experienced that. I want us to jump right into the story. The Gospels, the first four books of the New Testament, they are, they are narratives, they are biographical sketches of the life of Jesus. And obviously, they record the most significant event the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And I want us to read a pretty large section of scripture as we lean into that story. And we're actually going to look at two of the writers who wrote and recorded the history of Jesus. We're going to look at John, and we're also going to go right into and look at Luke and how those two stories complement the overall arching story. John chapter 19, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. You can look on the jumbotron. I want us to read this. John chapter 19, starting at verse 38, the very first word is profound. It's this word. Come on, everybody, say it together afterward. Come on, say that, afterward. Let me tell you why that is important. Because you would think everything that happened before this part of the story, that the story would end. Well, what is it that happened? 
What happens is before this part of the story picks up and carries on the story of Jesus, that there is an afterward beforehand, Jesus is arrested and he's beaten. His face is bloodied and swollen beyond the point of almost recognition. He's not just beaten, he's mocked. He has a crown of thorns pressed on his head. He's beaten with a flagrum, a cat of nine tails, this leather strips with bone and metal on the end that beat and bruise his flesh and literally strip off the meat and the sinew of his back. And when the beating is over, they take Jesus and they hang him on a cross, a nail in each wrist and one holding his ankles together. And to top it all off, a spear pierces his side. And you read that story and you think that should be the end, but the fact that the story continues, that there is an afterwards, I want you to have hope today. What looks like the end of your story may not be so. You can have an afterword because Jesus had an afterword. Come on. So afterward, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. And when Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. And with him came Nicodemus, the man who had come to Jesus at night. And he brought about 75 pounds of perfume ointment made from myrrh and aloes. And following Jesus' burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with the spices and long sheets of linen cloth. And as his body was taken away, the women from Galilee followed and saw the tomb where his body was placed. And then when they went home, they prepared spices and ointments to anoint his body. But by the time they were finished, the Sabbath had begun, so they rested as required by law. But very early on Saturday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. And every voice, come on, read it, Florence, Lawrenceburg, online. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. So just a couple of things real quick. Again, the fact that there is an afterword is profound. See, Jesus, he suffered tremendously, and there are some who have questioned the reality of the resurrection, called it into suspect that it may not be true, and some people who point to that say that Jesus only fainted underneath the weight and the burden of the pain that he suffered, and he only fainted, and when he got into the cool of the tomb, he resuscitated. Medical experts have read the evidence as recorded in the biographical sketch of the life of Jesus, the fact that all he suffered in his beating, in his crucifixion, and ultimately apexed by the spear in his side and said, no doubt, he didn't faint, he was dead. Another important piece of information, if you didn't catch it, the Bible says that, that the women followed Nicodemus and Joseph if they, as they took the body of Jesus and laid him in the tomb. They followed these two men to where Jesus was buried. The reason that's important is because some people, again, who call into question the truth of the resurrection, say that in all of the confusion, when that morning, Easter morning, when they ran to the tomb, they ran to the wrong tomb. So Jesus wasn't really alive. Just the tomb they went to was empty because they ran to the wrong tomb. What I want you to see is everybody knew where the tomb was. The women followed Joseph and Nicodemus there, and when they went there Easter morning and found the tomb empty, they ran to the disciples, and John and Peter ran, outran the women, and they went to the same. So it's no, it was the right tomb, and Jesus was dead. But come on, on the third day, Jesus was alive. Come on, somebody. I'm telling you to cancel the funeral. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in this room or in Lawrenceburg watching online, how many of you guys are movie fans? How many people like a good movie? Wave at me. 
I know the question has to be, well, it depends on what kind of movie it is, right? It depends on the genre. How many of you like a good romance movie? Romance? Come on, men. No romance people. Y'all need to get a heart. How many of you like a good action movie? I mean, the bigger the explosions, the higher the body count, like that's your, the faster the cars, that's your kind of movie. How many of you like a good documentary? You're a student, you like to learn and lean in. How many of you like a good, scary movie? Like, you don't want to just watch the screen like you keep looking over your shoulder and like underneath the couch. Yeah. How many people like a good drama? That's your thing, a good drama? For me, it's not necessarily the genre of the movie. What makes me like a good movie is a movie I can't figure out. I don't know if anybody else is like me, but I'm really horrible to watch a movie with. I can't just sit back and allow the story to take me where it's going. I feel like it's my job to crack the code before we ever get there. Like I'm always trying to figure it out. And if I figure it out, I'm ruining it for everybody. Like, I don't keep it to myself. I tell every, and when I say I tell everybody, I don't mean my family, my house. I mean, if I'm in the theater, I'm tapping the guy on the shoulder in front of me saying like, he didn't kill her, she did. <laughs> Come on, how many people can figure out movies before they happen? Like, and it's, so I just, I'm not into movies I can figure out. But let me tell you the kind of movie I'm into. I like a movie with a great plot twist. Like when it happens, you never saw. The plot twist is when the narrative of the story takes this incredible turn that you never saw happening. And when one of those happens, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. I can remember my very first plot twist as a young kid watching one of the original trilogy, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, was one of the key plot twist moments. Some of you guys remember it. Some of you were there. You're old enough to remember being in the theater when one of the greatest antagonists of all time stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with one of the greatest protagonists of all times, and in the middle of heated battle, this comment, this plot twist was dropped. Luke, I am your father. What? No, and you're like, no way, father and son. But many of the greatest plot twists and many of the greatest movies that you've experienced and I've experienced aren't the ones in the middle of the moment. It's the ones that end the movie. You've watched a, an hour and a half, two, two and a half hour movie, and you get all the way through and you never saw it coming. This huge plot twist in the closing moments. The prestige, the mist, primal fear, the kid in the striped pajamas. If you've never watched The Boy in the Striped Pajamas, oh. And if you've watched it and not cried, you don't love Jesus. There's just no way. But for me, some of my personal favorite movies with those significant plot twists that I never saw coming, I find it ironic that many of my favorite movies with the greatest plot twists all start with the letter S, the same letter of my name. Call it irony, I don't know. But one of the movies, when it happened, the plot twist had dropped. Anybody see the movie Saw? You watch the whole movie, you get to the end, and it was Jigsaw, and he was alive the whole time laying on the floor. What? Never saw it coming. And here was one when it dropped, and this has to be probably the greatest plot twist of all time. Come on, The Sixth Sense. And you watch this whole movie, and you get to the end, and Haley Joel Osment's character, Cole, he leans into a psychiatrist, and he's like, I'm ready to tell you my secret now. I see dead people. What? He's been dead the whole time. Nobody saw it coming. 
Just a quick, if you're new to church, new to Jesus, new to the resurrection story, come on, the disciples are the original people. Come on to see dead people because Jesus was alive. Let's go, somebody. I mean, incredible plot twist. Here was another one, one of my personal favorites was Shutter Island. You watch Shutter Island in the entire movie. You think Leonardo DiCaprio's character, you think he's an agent on the island inspecting the asylum when in fact you get to the end of the movie and the plot twist and if you've not watched it by now don't blame me for ruining it it's on you that you didn't watch it yet he's not an agent he is literally a patient at the asylum what never saw it coming and then there was this one seven morgan freeman and brad pitt you watch the whole movie and finally the box gets delivered and morgan freeman's like don't look in the box Brad Pitt's like, what's in the box? What's in the box? You've not seen it. Don't watch it. <laughs> and he opens the box. You're like, oh, i never seen it coming. Like these plot twists. They catch you off guard. You never saw it in the narrative of the story. Like all of a sudden it takes a sharp turn. And by far one of my personal favorites, this movie right here. Right? Do, we got any, do we got any fans in the house that love the Shawshank Redemption? Come on. Yeah. If you've only watched it 10 times or less, you're not a fan. You're a casual observer. The Shawshank is one of those movies like, it don't, I don't even have to plan to watch it, but if I'm scrolling through and it's on, I'm watching it. I could have been on my way to watch something I wanted to watch, and if Shawshank's on, I'm watching it again. My wife asks me all the time, how do you keep re-watching these movies? Because they're great movies. But if you've never seen the Shawshank Redemption, this guy, Andy Dufresne, he gets falsely accused and arrested for murdering his wife and thrown in this hostile, incredibly upside-down prison. And all of the atrocities that happen in prison, you can possibly imagine, this guy, Andy Dufresne, suffers. And as the movie goes on, you see despair continually fall on him till you think he's about to give up. And at the end of the movie, he goes into his, into his cell one night, and the next morning, like, all of the prisoners come out, and it's prison count. And the, and the officer doing the prison count, Andy Dufresne doesn't come out. And you think he's given up, he's, he's probably committed suicide, like, that's the feel. He's like, Dufresne, you better be sick or dead. You're putting me behind. And he walks down in the front of his prison cell, and Andy Dufresne is not dead. He didn't commit suicide. He escaped. And he's been planning it the entire movie. Nobody saw it coming. See, there's something about a great plot twist that it catches you off guard. It's something you've never seen, and when you experience it, it's just a great movie, but you know, there's something different when it's your own life. Plot twist on a big screen or plot twist in a book is one thing, but when you experience a plot twist, when your life is headed in a good direction or everything seems like it's firing, everything seems like it's okay, and all of a sudden your life takes a hard right turn, all of a sudden you experience something you didn't see coming, it's a whole other story. Many of you in this room are in Lawrenceburg, that's been your story. You've experienced a plot twist that you wish you could undo, you wish... You could rewrite. Sometimes the plot twist is, you know, fallout with relationships. Some of you here had a best friend or you had a family member and there's been a falling out. Now you're disconnected. Now you're like, how did we get here? Some of you, the plot twist that you've experienced came through divorce. Some of you, it's your parents and now you're trying to navigate, like, how do you navigate the complexity of relationships? Now they're divided, but you're not divided. And you feel like sometimes you're forced to pick sides and the holidays are not the same and where you live at has changed. And sometimes it's not the divorce of your parents, maybe it's your divorce. The plot twist of your life was you never saw it coming. You never knew your spouse was cheating on you. You never knew they were getting ready to walk out on you. Like it's the plot twist. 
Sometimes it's the plot twist of difficulties with our health, right? We go to the doctors because we have this one small thing and they find a significant thing. COVID was the plot twist of 2020, wasn't it? Like nobody saw that coming and it wasn't just, it wasn't just this medical thing that happened, but a lot of us, it shaped and shifted our finances. A lot of us had jobs that we lost jobs and now we can't find a job or we're in a job that we don't really want to be in. For some of us in this room, we lost loved ones because of COVID. Like our husband or our wife or our significant other is no longer here. And the plot twist is overwhelming. But what I came to tell you today is that you can cancel the funeral. 2,000 years ago, there was a funeral that was canceled. And the reality of that story is our story because the greatest plot twist in history influences all of the plot twists that you and I experience. Because Jesus lives. Come on, somebody. We can also live. Here's what I mean by that. When I say the greatest plot twist, again, Jesus came to be the Messiah. Jesus started this ministry, and he started preaching. He started traveling, and naturally, he gained momentum. His, the charisma of his character, the content of his teachings, it, it overwhelmed the crowds. They were so passionate to follow him, and, and so they started to believe that Jesus, they started to believe that he was the Messiah, this long-prophesied redeemer, this savior, this person who would show up and fix what's broken, this, this figure that would show up and right what was wrong. And it wasn't a false conclusion. In fact, Jesus himself validated it. Jesus himself validated that he was the prophesied Messiah by the way he taught, by the authority that he had. He had authority over sicknesses and storms and demonic things. By the fact that Jesus could heal multitudes of sick people, Jesus demonstrated he was, in fact, the Messiah the disciples believed. The problem was, and what contributed to the plot twist, was that he wasn't the type of Messiah they expected. See, the Jewish disciples, they were expecting a Messiah that would come and that would free the Jewish people from the rule of Rome. But Jesus didn't come to establish an earthly kingdom to free Jewish people from the rule of Rome. Jesus came to establish a spiritual kingdom that would free all people, come on, from the rule of sin. That's why Jesus came. See, Jesus didn't come to do something in a small part of the Middle East. Jesus came to do something in the hearts of every single person in this room, every single person in, every, in Lawrenceburg, every single person watching online. Jesus came to set up his kingdom in your heart. But see, the plot twist was they didn't saw it, see it coming. They expected that Jesus would stay alive and that he would set up this earthly kingdom and he would overcome Roman rule. And when Jesus died, they didn't just bury a man. They buried hope. They buried confidence. A movement died when Jesus died. And so the reason that that story is profound is because some of us who've experienced plot twists in our family, in our health, in our finances, in our life, some of you have experienced plot twists where, where you were raped or you were taken advantage of or somebody hurt you or someone undercut you and you're going through this difficult season and you don't know how you get to the other side, you can get to the other side because there can be an afterwards. But come on, we'll keep saying it because Jesus lives, you can also live. You just got to make a decision today. Come on, you can cancel the funeral. See, Jesus had a funeral. In fact, the story we read talks about that Jesus, when he died, that he experienced these, this Roman or this Jewish burial custom. Let me tell you about it. It's important. So the Jewish burial custom was this. Some people ask the question, how was Jesus, 
How was Jesus uh, in the grave for three days? If he was crucified on Friday and rose on Sunday, how was he in the grave for three days? Let me tell you. Because the way Jews account time is different than the way we account time today here in the West. We account time that a day is from midnight to midnight. Jews in the first century accounted time that days started at 6 p.m. So a day was from 6 p.m. to 6 p.m. Jesus was crucified at 9 a.m. on Friday. He hung on the cross and suffered for six hours until 3 p.m. And sometime after 3 p.m., Joseph and Nicodemus got the body of Jesus down and they took him through a traditional Jewish burial and they got him in the tomb at some time before sundown, the end of Friday. So Jesus was in the tomb part of Friday, all day Saturday, and part of Sunday morning before he rose from the dead. And it's got only got to be part of a day to really be considered a day. Let me tell you why. If you ask me what I did yesterday, I washed, the, I washed my car. If you say, hey, Pastor, what did you do yesterday? I washed my car. Now, I didn't wash my car for 24 hours. Are you all hearing me? But I'm contributing what happened in that day. So Jesus was in the tomb part of Friday, all day Saturday, part of Sunday. Now, here's why that's important. Because the men hurried to get him down because if someone wasn't buried by sundown, you couldn't bury somebody on the Sabbath. And the last thing they wanted for their Messiah that was now broken was to leave him out exposed to the elements and to not be buried. And so they hurried and they got him down and they took him through the Jewish customs of the day. And here's what it was. They washed the body, which means all of the dried blood that was on the face and the body and the hands and the feet of Jesus and all of the dirt of him dragging the old rugged cross was washed. And then they anointed his body. What does that mean? It means they took his body and they almost wrapped him. The way I think of it in my mind is almost like paper mache, but I read it to you. They took strips of cloth and they would dip it in. They would take spices and aloes and they would take myrrh. Remember what the wise men brought Jesus at his birth? They brought him gold, frankincense, and myrrh was a substance they used in burial, which Jesus, it was always prophesied that he would die. And they would take this sticky substance myrrh and they would dip the cloth in it and they would wrap a body starting at the feet all the way up to the armpits. And then they would put the arms at the side and they would wrap from the wrist to the neck. And it almost became like an encased, dried, tough mold, which is why when Lazarus came out of the tomb, some of you know the story, remember Jesus had to tell the disciples to loose him and let him go because he was alive, but he was still bound up. But they were in such a hurry, they only used 75 pounds of spices, which I know that means nothing to you, but they embalmed today way differently than they did then. In order to bypass the stench of death, they would take the perfume of myrrh and spices and they would wrap a body in it to try to cover the scent of death. But because they had to get the body of Jesus in the tomb so quickly, they really didn't do a sufficient job. Here's what I know, because some women said, we're going to have to do that right. <laughs> did y'all catch that? The women, they said, we're, we're going to have to redo that. That's why they went to the tomb, because two dudes buried Jesus, and women, come on, women have an eye for detail. How do you know that's true? Like, I'm going to tell you, this happened literally this morning. We have, we have in our bedroom, so Shauna, she got up before me today. I'm laying in bed. I'm kind of praying, meditating on my message. She goes and jumps in the shower. When she gets out, I get up out of the bed, and she comes in, and we make our bed. Some of you don't make your bed. You've not made your bed in four years. We make our bed. And when I say we make our bed, we have one of those beds. We have 784 pillows on our bed. Anybody else have? Like on our house insurance policy, our pillows are insured. It's actually a line item because the expense to replace them. 
So we get up out of bed and we're making the bed together because we're just a power couple and that's how we roll. No problem is too great when we link arms. We're making the bed. We start putting the pillows on. True story, every pillow I put on the bed, my wife readjusts. So finally I walked in and I said, you you do it. Come on, because women just have an eye for detail. So here's the story. Joseph and Nicodemus take the body down, wash it, anoint it, wrap it, put it in the tomb, roll the stone in. The women want to make sure that Jesus receives the proper honor that he's due and the amount of spices that somebody is buried with determines the level of honor that they have. And 75 pounds is not enough for this man, so they get more spices and they go to the tomb to properly prepare his body for burial. And then this happens, the plot twist. Not just the first plot twist, come on, it's the second plot twist. Because the first plot twist was he died and he never saw that coming. But then the plot twist that we came today to celebrate at Faith Church and believers all over this world, when they got there, Jesus wasn't there. Come on, they found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. Come on, say it one more time. So they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. Do you know why? Not because they went to the wrong tomb, not because he resuscitated and walked out, but because the breath of the Father was breathed into the Son and he came alive again. And because he lives, we also can live. That funeral got canceled 2,000 years ago. Let's go. And the reason that's important is because, again, a, a good plot twist you never see coming. A great plot twist takes you totally off guard. But do you know the reality is the disciples should have never been surprised by the resurrection. Jesus told them over and over again he was going to come and die and lay down his life and rise from the dead. It's recorded at least three times in the Gospels. Imagine if you started a movie and at the beginning of Shawshank, imagine in the opening scene it said, Andy Dufresne's going to escape from prison at the end of this movie. Like it wouldn't be a shock because you've already been told. Jesus announced it. And so the reality is the resurrection wasn't a plot twist. It was a prophecy fulfilled and a promise kept. For thousands of years, there was a prophecy that the Messiah would come, would lay down his life, would be a suffering servant. And would also be a reigning king. Again, Jesus himself declared that he would lay down his life and live again. And the reason, again, that that is so profound, and here's what I want you to hear is, do you know what makes a really great story a great story? A great story. is the story you see yourself in. The story that somehow when it's told, you, you identify with. A great story is when you have emotional investment. It's, you can see yourself as a character. And all of us in this room and everybody in Lawrenceburg and all of us listening to this, all of us have experienced the pain of plot twists. And when you watch what happened when Jesus, who they expected to live and rule over the Roman Empire, was crucified and he died, the first plot twist, twist crushed him. But the second plot twist is when they walked into the tomb and he was gone and they realized and the story continues on and plays out that Jesus shows himself alive to the women, to the 12. Ultimately, at one time, to over 500 people, Jesus showed himself over 40 days to be clearly alive. And the reason that's so profound is because many of us in this room, we hope, is that possible? Is it possible for me to live again? After my divorce, after my failure, in the middle of this struggle, in the middle of bankruptcy, in the middle of pain, in the middle of breakups, in the middle of all of this atrocity, is it possible for me to live again? I want you to know this today. Listen, Jesus canceled his funeral so you could cancel yours. Listen, Jesus, we get to be a part of that story. 
My main goal today is to tell you some of you need to stop burying things that aren't really dead yet. See, the, the custom of the day said you hurry and you get them in the tomb. When somebody's dead, you hurry, you wrap them quickly, and you get them buried. And that's what culture tells us. You've been an addict this long, you're going to be an addict forever. Your marriage is struggling, go ahead and get a divorce. Like, we just take our cues from culture. As Christ followers, we stop taking our cues from culture and doing what they tell us to do, and we start taking our cues from Christ who tell us that we can live again. I'm telling you, come on, it's time to cancel some funerals in this room. Come on, I'm telling you, cancel the funeral on your divorce. Cancel the funeral on your habit and your addiction. Cancel the funeral on your struggle. Cancel the funeral on whatever it is you've tapped out on. Come on, again, because Jesus lives. Come on, say it with me. We can also live. So here's the reality. Two things I'll give you as we close is this is what sums it up. You can cancel your funeral from struggle. See, all of us struggle. And when I say you can cancel your funeral from struggle, all of us have been buried by the weight of struggle. Again, man, we just wrestle with life. Things come our way and we feel overwhelmed. We feel like we're all in, in the middle of this, this thing that's robbed us and taken our passion, taken our hope. But when you see that Jesus came, and he just didn't come on his own in a vacuum again. The Father sent him, and he sent him for a very specific purpose, to die for you and to raise from the dead. And so you're a part of this story. And because Jesus overcame the external struggles that he suffered, because we're a part of his story, come on, you can overcome the external struggles that you're battling with. I'm not telling you as a Christ follower you won't struggle because that's not true. Come on, how people know we still struggle? We still got some heartaches, some ups and some downs. We got some mountaintops, but we got some valleys. Come on, the difference is even in the valley, come on, we have the strength to get to the mountaintop. Even in the downside, we have the privilege to experience the upside. Come on, y'all believe that today? So the struggle is this. Jesus said, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. What he was saying was, you're still going to have struggles, but now you're not in it alone. I'm with you. Now you're not fighting in your own strength. I'm through you. See, the hope of the resurrection story is so powerful and so profound, not only because it's the greatest plot twist in history, but because in his story, you're part of it. You're written into it. That the same struggles he experienced, when you experience them, you can go through them differently as God's child because he's with you, in you, and for you. But the real truth of the resurrection and the hope that we celebrate today and the centrality of the message of Christ is this, that we get to cancel our funeral from sin. We get to cancel our funeral. When I say cancel the funeral, here's why. It's because all of us in this room, come on, we've all sinned. If you watch some of the movies I talked about earlier, you need Jesus, me too, come on. He talked about seven in church. <laughs> Some of you were Googling, what's in the box on seven? And when it came up, you're like, we need to find a different church. <laughs> I, I don't mean to make light of sin. That's not my heart. But we're all sinners. When I say we're sinners, I mean in our hearts, in our minds, we've lusted, we coveted, we've had racism, we've had judgmentalism. All of the issues, all of the wickedness, all of the unrighteousness that overwhelms every heart hearing this message. And it's not just what we think, it's what we say. It's how we live out our lives. And all of us have crossed the line. All of us have broken God's law. All of us are sinners. 
And Romans 6.23 says the wages of your sin, your paycheck for sin is death. That's your funeral. You sin today, funeral. You sin this morning, some of you, obituary, it's there. Here lies Steve Husky, who died of lust, died of anger. I mean, fill in the blank. But Jesus came 2,000 years ago, and the reason he died was to take your sin and the punishment and the penalty for it so you could cancel your funeral from sin. See, the wages of sin is death. That's why Jesus died. And so he took your sin from you and put them upon himself on the cross. And when he rose from the dead, he gives us that victory, not just externally but internally, that we can overcome sin, that we are righteous. We have been given the gift of righteousness. And so I just want you to know, if you've ever put your faith in Jesus, it doesn't mean you're going to live a struggle-free life, but it means you're going to walk in the victory of what he did for you 2,000 years ago. And if you're here and you are struggling, I want you to know you can cancel some funerals. It doesn't mean you won't struggle, but you can begin to experience victory in not only the fight you face daily, but the fight you face for all eternity. It is done in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The greatest plot twist in history is your plot twist if you'll put faith in Jesus today. Come on, how many people here are thankful for that story? If you've never taken that step, I want to give you a chance this morning just to say, hey, I, I want that story to be my story. The Bible says we're all sinners, and the way we experience that transaction of putting our sin on Jesus and taking his righteousness and applying it to our lives is just faith, just believing. And we do that, we acknowledge that faith just by a simple prayer. I'm going to ask all over this room, Lawrenceburg, online, will you bow your heads and your hearts with me? God, I thank you today for the greatest story ever told. And not just the story in the pages of Scripture, but God, our story that we're written into. God, I know there's many of us who are watching this, who are hearing this, that God, we've experienced the pain of our own plot twist, the, the struggles of the things we've gone through. But I pray, God, today that as they hear this message, God, they will hear that there is hope in Jesus. That, God, we can find victory. We can find hope. And so, Lord, I pray, God, help us to turn your direction, to lean your way, and to put all of our hope in you. If you're here, man, you've given your life to Jesus, I want you to know today you can spend the rest of the day, the rest of 2021, the rest of your life, and all eternity celebrating the reality of Jesus and what he did for you. But if you're here and you've never put your hope in Jesus, you can right now today become a child of God by simply acknowledging your sin and putting hope in your Savior, Jesus. And I'm going to lead us in a very simple prayer today. If you're here and you say, Pastor Steve, today I want to give my life to Jesus. Today I need hope. I need to cancel some funerals in my life. If that's you, I want you to lift a hand real high. Come on, one. If you're here, come on, no shame in your game. Two, come on, all over this room. If you're here and you say, man, I need the hope that Jesus can bring, I want you to lift a hand real high. Three, come on, let's go. Say, Pastor Steve, I want you to pray for me. Today I want to give my life to Jesus. Come on. Come on, throw it up. That's why some of you came today. You thought you got invited. You thought you were going to eat some ham after this. You came. Jesus sent you here for this reason. Thank you, 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 thank you. It's a lot of hands. I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. Can we all pray this together? Say, Jesus, I thank you today for the greatest plot twist that applies to my life, that you died and you rose. It's because you live, I can live too. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name. Come on, and everybody who agreed said amen. Come on, can we stand to our feet and can we honor the Lord Jesus? Come on, somebody. Hey, we're going to sing this song.
Listen, two weeks from today, we're celebrating water baptism. If you've never taken that step, I want to encourage you to be here as a part of our morning worship experiences, both locations. If you want to sign up, you can text Baptism FC to 97000. Come on, let every voice, let's sing this song before we go. God bless you guys, man. Thanks so much for being here. Come on, worship team.